Hello, ladies and gentlemen. I am so excited that you're about to listen in on another episode of the Made Possible by podcast. I wanted to take a quick second to let you know exactly what we do. Made Possible by makes giving easy for community-minded businesses and provide a more effective way to share their stories of good. Now let's jump into the podcast. Welcome to the Made Possible by podcast, where we have conversations around good with community-minded individuals. We hope that today's episode inspires you to go out and do good. Hello, and thank you for joining us today for another conversation around good. We at Made Possible By help community-minded businesses save time with their community involvement and processing their sponsorship requests, and we also make their good loud. And today, doing podcasts, it's one of my favorite parts of my role as I get to share stories of good from around the world. And today, we have our very first guest from the UK, which is exciting. Julie, you're our very first uh, European person. So thank you. Wow, I did not know that. That's extra pressure. (laughs) Yeah, no, no pressure. There's zero. Okay. We are very, very laid back. So um, Julie is the PR and corporate social responsibility manager for BE Offices, which is a multi-award winning flexible workspace provider operating in 22 locations in London, the Southeast, Belfast, Southampton, Birmingham, and Manchester. So for those of you in America, uh, that just means co-working space. (laughs) I like how you say flexible workspace provider. I like that. That's a little bit different. Um, Well, we have, it's it's more than just co-working. I think we started off as a serviced office provider and we've moved towards co-working, but also managed workspace. So um, we, because we cover so many areas, we call it flexible workspace. Okay, what was the first thing you said? Service workspace? What is that? Service, serviced offices was how we started out, actually. Um, and we, we've evolved over the many years that we've been around. What is service offices? What does that mean? So serviced offices is for people who don't want to take on a, um, a standard lease, you know, um, and they just want to have a, they want to have a, a ready to go office um, and all the services are provided for them. So they literally just move in and they've got receptionists, they've got people to help them with admin. They've got somebody that organizes all the facilities for them in the background. They don't have to do anything. They literally just come in and run their business. That's all they have to think about. Wow. So it's, it's a co-working space in like a concierge, business concierge service. Yes. And it's more private offices than, more, than co-working. So it would be more private offices. People could have a whole floor or a few, you know, a few suites or, or whatever. But um, it, that was how uh, I think co-working evolved out of the serviced office ethos, really. Okay. Okay. That's cool. I haven't heard about that. Um, Julie also is, serves as an ambassador for the City of London Air Quality. She is an ambassador for the Meningitis Research Foundation, also an ambassador for the Cancer Campaign for Cancer Research in the UK, also an ambassador for the Heart of the City. So you can, we're already getting a picture of Julie's heart for people. Does an ambassador mean that you serve on the board? I don't actually serve on any boards. Um, I represent the charity or the charities or, you know, in various capacities, um, but I don't actually sit on any boards. Um, 
I wouldn't mind sitting on boards, but I, I don't I, I don't need to at the moment in what, with what I do. Okay, I'm trying to translate that to uh, an American role. Is, is that are you the only ambassador for those? Or are they oh, no, no, more than one? No, there's many, many ambassadors. Um, okay. Especially with cancer research, they try to have an ambassador representative in every single constituency in the UK, and there's over 600 constituencies. So it's somebody to rep have a representative to liaise directly with the MP in that area to work on policy issues. Okay, okay. That I'm learning all sorts of new things today. So. Yeah. <laughs> in fact, there's three ambassadors just for my constituency as well. So it's not necessarily a single ambassador for one constituency. Sometimes it's more than one ambassador for a, for a single constituency too. So okay. there are hundreds of us. Okay, well, that's good with the more hands, right? Absolutely. Well, yes, well, you definitely serve a lot of organizations. So thank you for doing that. Um, Julie is also an editor and a co-author. She works alongside Amazon's best-selling author, David P. Perlmutter. Did I say that right? It's Perlmutter. Perlmutter. There you go. Thank you. Yes. Perlmutter. And has now edited four true life novels, one of which the one of which is called The Wrong Place, Wrong Time is an Amazon bestseller and is currently in production to become a movie. That's so cool. It's very exciting. That is, oh my gosh. And you also co-edited and, or excuse me, edited and co-authored his two crime fiction novels, the second mm -hmm. of which was released just last November and is now being tatted, touted for a TV series. Yeah. Uh, wow, Which what, what is that one called? Um, it's called Right to Kill. There's a, it's actually a trilogy. The first one is Right to Kill. Uh, the second one is Right to, to Survive. And the third one, which is in production at the moment, is called Right to Live. Wow, that's so mm -hmm. exciting. Do you know what network is looking at that or is it multiple? It's actually someone in the US has picked up on it. Um, I'm, I'm not actually dealing with it. David's um, liaising with them. But yeah, it's, it's a company in the US who are looking to do it because it's actually set in London. And then the second, the first novel is in London. Then the second novel takes place in New York. Okay, so, nice, mm. nice. How did you start getting involved in being an editor? Well, he's actually my partner. <laughs> so, oh, well, there you go. Okay, and it's okay. it's kind of an extension of because because obviously in PR you do an awful lot of writing and editing and content, yeah. and and so it was kind of an extension of that. And I've always um, I, I, I'm such a, a big a bookworm. Um, I, I'm a, a vociferous reader. I, I read, read, read. I can't get enough. So I suppose it's just an extension of that, really. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so that helps that you guys are, you know, together a lot. So I'm mm -hmm. sure that you're, you're, especially during lockdowns, uh, uh, that's that adds a whole new factor to it. You all, yeah. uh, the UK. This is January, by the way, listeners who are listening. Um, January of 2021, and you all are in the. Is it the second lockdown? This is our third lockdown now. Your third lockdown, okay, because <laughs> yes. you have the new strain. Going we do, around. and it's mm. oh, it's terrible. Um, just there are there the the cases here are are through the roof at the moment. The the levels of just going up, up, and up. But we're encouraged by the vaccine rollout, and um, I'm hearing all the time of people getting their vaccine. And some I heard even today, one person, one of my colleagues at BE, his father had his second shot 
so um that's that's really good news so i'm just trying to be we're all trying to be optimistic and see right. and hopefully you know come out the other side of this uh, very depressing time yes that's all we can do right is to look mm -hmm. forward that's yeah. right that's right so you also helped co-author seven of david's eight books in the my way series is mm -hmm. that a, that's a different series than the one that's being touted for tv yeah this is they're, they're actually marketing books um marketing for the uh, self-published author um, because he helps a lot of people and um, he's got a huge network of, of followers he's got like sixty thousand followers on twitter um wow. and yeah and he um he helps a lot of authors with promotion and advises them on how to be self-published and then once they're self-published how to self-promote um so those book particular books are about self uh marketing for self-published or indie authors well it sounds like you chose your partner well you're a prolific reader <laughs> he's a prolific writer so yes <laughs> there you go. um julie you were also uh, a, a dance contestant which i i want to hear more about this this is just so cool for well, da dancing strictly was that the name of it it was called dancing yeah dancing strictly so you uh, have you heard of strictly come dancing i think you have over there in america you have come dancing don't you i don't know we have um dance competitions but to be honest with you i don't watch them so i don't know okay well uh, there's a there's a program called strictly um strictly come dancing i think it's what it, it's it's huge over here and um a few years ago i was asked this is actually how i got together really with uh, my partner my now partner david um, oh. because he was my dance partner oh, <laughs> for it yeah so um we i've always wanted to do something like although i trained to be a dancer i trained actually to be a ballet dancer um, oh. And then I fractured my spine and I had to stop dancing. But I always wanted to try out some kind of um, Latin American or ballroom dancing. So it was a perfect opportunity. And so we embarked on this. We did a, a salsa and um, it was great fun. And I think altogether, um, all the people that took part, it raised about 30,000 pounds for the, for the hospice, which was amazing. Wow, that's uh, what a fun way to raise money. That's, that's absolutely. Yeah. Okay, so you were trained, you trained as a ballet dancer, and you broke mm -hmm. your spine. That had mm -hmm. to have been heartbreaking. It was because um, since I was two years old, dancing was all I really wanted to do. I, I went to, um, to a special theater school where I, I did dancing pretty much all day and academics was was really very much low priority back then um, so I was 17 when I fractured my spine and I was at college I was at dance college and I really did not know what to do with myself at all and um, did a few temp jobs and everything and then just quite by accident fell into PM, PR and marketing because um, a recruitment consultant uh, who I went to for a job actually the job was in publishing because I really wanted to get into publishing and I went for this interview with this recruitment consultant um, and she was like well we actually I actually think having spoken to you I think you'd be really good for this marketing job that we've got and I was like oh okay it was for a software company and I was like oh that sounds so boring but actually <laughs> it's been such a blessing because being in PR and marketing has enabled me to, for most of my career, to work from home while I was bringing up my children. Um, and so actually it's just, and, and, and there's so many great things that have come. Uh, so, I mean, it was all just fate, I guess. <laughs> 
Well, I'm telling you, there's so many organizations that have benefited by your injury. I'm, I mean, I, I, I'm <laughs> sure that it's still some days you wish you could be dancing. Um, but what, what a cool thing! I love how those yeah. things work out. So, yeah. give us a 90 second more personal snapshot of you, and tell us what has been your biggest COVID pivot. What have you had to change in your personal life? Okay, um, I guess aside from everything you've already mentioned, um, I, I've already said about my children, I'm, I'm the mum of four um, amazing children. They are my absolute world. Um, I live in Northwest London and um, I love exercising. You know, I, the dancer never really goes. So I, I, do, I do street dance and tap dance and Zumba. Um, I do a lot of yoga as well and body combat as well. Um, and I think I've, I've already mentioned, obviously, I love reading and historical fiction is actually my genre. I love historical fiction. Um, and so I, I try to read as much as possible uh, when I have time. Um, my biggest COVID pivot, um, I've actually had the illness twice. Oh. <laughs> once, yeah, once back in March, right at the beginning of the pandemic. Um, um, obviously, I wasn't tested for it at the time, but I had a, an antibody test in July, which confirmed that I had had it. Um, but then I actually got it, got it again at the end of November, no, at end of October. And I didn't, at the time, I didn't realize I had it because my only symptom then was I had a change in my sense of smell. Um, and it was only afterwards that um, the doctor said, well, we think you must have had it again. Um, so the biggest pivot for me actually was not having it twice. It was the rapid decline in my respiratory health after the second exposure to the virus because I went from being very, very physical, doing cardio workouts pretty much every day to hardly being able to get up a single flight of stairs without being breathless. Um, it, was, it was really quite awful and very worrying. Um, I'm much, much better now, I must say, although not full health, but um, much, much better than I was. But it, it is worrying when, you know, somebody who's who's super fit, um, I'm not elderly, I'm, <laughs> I'm not young, but I'm not elderly, <laughs> um, but it really, really affected me. Um, wow. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, you're the only person, well, that's not true. I, I know of two other people here, a husband and wife, who have had it twice as well. And okay. that, wow, that was your only symptom was uh, the the breath. Interesting. So how yeah. long did it take until you started? I mean, it hasn't been that long, two months since you yeah. Wow. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm I'm much better. I, I'm able to exercise again gently now, but um, I couldn't I couldn't do any exercise for quite a while. I could barely climb the stairs, um, so it was it was quite worrying. Um, but I've had all the tests. I don't I don't have any visible damage to my lungs or my heart uh, or anything. Um, it's just they're, they're just saying now that I'd probably have long COVID, but nobody really knows what that means. So <laughs> <laughs> they just they, they bless their hearts. They have to come up with something to call it, right? We're yes. all scrolling with it, even the medical world. Oh my yeah. goodness. Well, I'm glad you're feeling better. I'm so much better. Thank you. <laughs> so tell us about how B and E started. Oh, so um, B, I was just checking out actually how old it is. And it's actually 28 years old wow. this month, in fact. And it was founded through pure serendipity. Um, our co-founders, who are David Saul and Simon Rusk, they're still our managing director and finance director today, um, respectively. They were property, uh, property investors uh, back in 
January uh, 1993. And um, they were based in a building which was managed by a serviced office provider. Um, the provider was in financial trouble and David and Simon decided to take the, the business over, uh, not knowing anything at the time really about serviced offices, apart from the fact that they were in one. And that's how BE was born. Um, and then over the years, they just put together this crack team uh, of amazing people. I work with some really, truly brilliant people. Um, and we have about 150 core employees today. And combined, they have over a thousand years of service to the company, which in our sector is actually quite extraordinary. Wow, that's a long time. It is. Yeah, that's it a long is. Time. Yes. And um, so, I'm sorry, go ahead. And I was just out, just um, I'm in my eighth year working for them and um, can't really imagine working anywhere else. Actually, they're they're a work family. It's not they're not my colleagues. They're my work family. Hmm. I, I, that's that's so important. I mean, that just makes makes going to work, even though you're not really going to work, but working um, <laughs> so much easier and so much meaningful. Right. When you yeah, work for yeah. a company that cares about people. So yes. now they have 22 locations. Is that right? We do, yes. Wow, that's amazing. That just shows, you know, one, that how well that they're doing, but two, that's more communities that they're impacting, which is exciting to hear. Yeah, uh, I mean, uh, unfortunately, uh, before the pandemic, we were, we'd had our best month ever um, in February before, and we were looking at expansion, and it was all very exciting times, and, and obviously, uh, you know the pandemic happened and it's it stalled everything but we're very optimistic for the future and um, we're looking ahead with you know hopefully a light at the end of the tunnel yes yes that's all we can do is look forward yeah that's right yeah so you serve as an ambassador like we said on many many organizations so mm -hmm. how, how did you get started serving people did you have someone that was your motivation or I think my Sorry, I interrupted you. Um, my role model was definitely my mom. Um, she was just always caring for people. And um, she was she's a nurse. Uh, she was a trained nurse. Uh, so she, she worked at a hospital, but also in her free time, she cared for neighbors on both sides of our houses. One of them had um, one of them had multiple sclerosis and uh, very chronic multiple sclerosis. And the other was very elderly. And she cared for, for both of those uh, those people. Um, even now, she's she's actually got MS herself and she's in her 70s, but she's still caring for others. Um, she looks after a 90 year old lady who just two weeks ago actually very sadly lost her husband to COVID. Mm. So yeah, really sad. But um, you know, even at her age, <laughs> she's still she's and and having uh, you know a disability herself. Um, although you never know it to, to look at her, uh, she's she's still caring. And um, so I think it's just in my DNA, really. Yes, it sounds like it is. <laughs> it definitely <laughs> sounds like it is. What a neat person. Do you get to see her often? Sadly, she lives quite a long way away, so I've only seen her once in the whole of the last year. Mm. Well, that's what, you know, FaceTime and Zoom calls are for, right? That you can. Oh, yeah, we have a lot of FaceTime. Okay. That's great. <laughs> yeah, that's she's great. actually uh, working on our family history. She's been doing, it's great, it's keeping her busy. She's working on our family history, um, and she's writing a book, which I'm going to be editing fairly soon. So, <laughs> she, so she contacts me frequently with technical support, mainly, for technical support. <laughs> 
is her book about your family or is it something yes. different? Oh yes, yes. She's managed to go back to the 1600s. It's amazing. Oh my word. Mm. Wow, that's a lot of research. Yeah, but she's been doing it for, for over a decade, but wow. she's really been able to focus on it during this time. So it's been great for her to have a project like that. Otherwise, she, I think she would just go crazy. Yeah. Yes, you got to stay busy for sure. Yeah. So when we had talked earlier, you had talked about how your, uh, and you didn't say this, these are my words, your <laughs> lifelong heart for caring about others has opened so many cool doors for you that you've been able to meet interesting people and go to interesting places. Tell us a little bit about that. I've met, through volunteering, I've met exceptionally inspirational people. I've been so fortunate to have been invited to some incredible places and incredible events. Um, probably the highlight for me, uh, I think, was when I got an invitation from Number 10 Downing Street, which is the home of the UK Prime Minister. Um, I got this little envelope through the door and with, you know, the uh, crest on it. And I was like, oh, what could that possibly be? It was just amazing. <laughs> and um, I'd been nominated by my local MP to attend a charity champions reception there uh, with the Prime Minister's wife, um, it was, it was David Cameron was the prime minister at the time. So Samantha Cameron was hosting this reception and it was really incredible. But I think probably the most inspirational people that I meet are the survivors of meningitis and the survivors of, of cancer. Um, I got involved with those, both those charities, meningitis because sadly my brother-in-law passed away from meningitis. Um, 10 years ago so that's how I got involved with them and my I, I sadly lost my father to cancer so that's why I got involved with with cancer research but lots of the people that are involved with it and ambassadors like me they are survivors themselves or they're the parents of, of, of lost children or something and these people have such incredible inspirational stories and I meet I meet little I meet children who've um, lost limbs and they've they're going on to, you know, probably be in the Paralympics one day because mm. the determination that they have. And it really puts your life into, into perspective when you meet a child who's three, year, three years old and, you know, they, they have no limbs because of this illness. And um, it's, it's so humbling. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I've been I've been able to go to the Houses of Parliament to re represent the charities on a number of occasions, and and I even got to go to the 2012 Paralympics to represent Meningitis Research Foundation because one of their members was actually um, the captain of the GB wheelchair uh, rugby team, and um, he's the most amazing guy. Um, I've actually went on to do a fundraising event with him one day um, at Deutsche Bank. And it was, it was, um, we actually raised with some other people and another charity over 640,000 pounds in one day. That's wow. $870,000 in one wow. day. Oh, and it was word. him. I mean, he did that going around in his wheelchair. He was incredible. I mean, really incredible. Hmm. Oh my goodness. Tell me his name. His name is Aaron Phipps. Okay. And you said he's a rugby player, wheelchair rugby? Wheelchair rugby. Yeah. You, they call it murder ball. It's brutal. <laughs> it is brutal. I'm telling you, but he, it is amazing. And I'd never even heard of it before, but he's been training. He was supposed to go to the Paralympics last year. He was obviously training. Um, and, you know, he, so he's, I, I know he's training. We're, we're connected 
um, on LinkedIn. You'll be able to find him on LinkedIn. Tag him in. Uh, he and he does he does all these um, inspirational speeches as well. He does all these motivational speeches all the time. He's absolutely just incredible, incredible person. Wow, I've never heard of Murderball. My uh, my husband played rugby in college, so I'm going to have to ask him if he's heard of this. That's okay. Well, wow. I mean, it's basically rugby in wheelchairs, and and it's brutal, but I'm it's not... so entertaining. It's it's actually amazing. <laughs> uh, okay, <laughs> I'm going to have to Google that when we're done. Yeah. Here. <laughs> oh my goodness. Okay, so your job, I love that your job title, you have the best job ever, by the way, is that you get to make <laughs> lives better for other people on a daily basis. I mean, <laughs> just the fact that your job title has the words corporate social responsibility, that's that's a huge thing that an organization, especially the size that BE is, that they that they take that seriously. Uh, oh, I mean, they we they have they have charity and corporate social responsibility. Actually, has always been at the heart of what B does. There just wasn't anybody with that in their job title, and I was like, I want that in my job title, please. <laughs> um, <laughs> and they were at, and and it was recognised immediately that actually we did need to have somebody who had that role, um, you know, as an identified role. So um, it wasn't a problem, but but. Um, yeah, I mean, our managing director, um, David Saul, he co-founded a, ch a charity, actually, many years ago. It's a children's charity called Rays of Sunshine. Uh, they grant wishes for children who have life-limiting illnesses. Um, so, and that, that's obviously our, you know, our core co corporate charity that we, we support the most. Um, but he is exceptionally charity-minded. Um, indeed, Simon is also, the Simon Rask, our finance director, is also a trustee for the charity. And um, so, yeah, it's, it's always been at the heart of what we do, really. Mm, I love that. So what does corporate social responsibility mean to you? If you could define that, what would that look like? I think that anyone who is in a position to help others has a responsibility to do so, really. Uh, I, you know, I mentioned about David being the, the co-founder of the charity. Um, there, there's so many things that we, we do. We, we try to build charity into our everyday. So often when we have client events, um, we try and bring an element of of charity into them. Um, for example, we do every year, there's a, a big thing over here in the UK, it's called the Macmillan Cancer um, World's Biggest Coffee Morning. And we've been doing that for many years now. And we we do bake-offs where we we get we encourage clients to you know uh, bring in bring in their bakes and um, helps raise money. And we give prizes for the best bake and and that sort of thing. Um, we do uh, the dragon boat race. We do do every year, which raises money for Cosmic, which is um, a children's charity, children children's ward at St Mary's Hospital in Paddington. Um, Obviously, Rays of Sunshine, we, we raise money for them throughout the year with various activities. So we're always trying to weave that element into our into our events that we put on for our clients. Hmm. So you were talking about um, the Dragon Boat Race. You want to hmm. 
give a visual of what that looks like because <laughs> that sounds really I, I actually saw i looked it up and saw some pictures of it that looks really fun it is really fun um well one of our offices um it's one of our real flagship offices actually it's in this fantastic location in the paddington basin which is part of the uh, regents canal network and so every year the i don't know really who puts it on actually probably the people that own that sort of area um in the run run that sort of area i think it's merchant square um they they put on this dragon boat race and, and basically just dressing up i mean we we dress up as vikings or somebody something everyone themes their boat and uh it's just basically racing in the canal <laughs> so do, also you good build, do you build are they like regular boats or do you build certain kind of boats someone provides the boats thankfully okay. we don't have to build okay. the boat okay. we just we just turn up with the crew <laughs> okay and you dress up oh that sounds really fun that's it fun. is really, it's really fun we didn't get to do it last year obviously hopefully yeah, yeah. unfortunately hopefully by july yes there it's always in july so hopefully by july we'll be able to do it again yeah um you had also mentioned that um you have given office space to some nonprofits. Uh, allowed them to use office space that normally costs well over a hundred thousand. Yes, um, that that's actually Razor Sunshine had their offices with us in our Wembley building um, for many years, and um, it, it was essentially the equivalent. The, the the space that they took was e equivalent to the value of a hundred thousand pounds a wow. year. But wow. uh, but David was you know obviously uh, wanted them to have that space um, because you know with ch any charity um, one of the main expenditures would be would be your office space um, as well as your staff but um, so yeah he, he did that when we closed that building um, actually a couple of years ago um, it, it was bought for uh, a huge big development that they're doing in the whole Wembley area um, we helped them source their new office space and some of our people helped them move everything out and move it back in and design their new space for them. So um, they're really, you know, we're really, really very close to that particular charity. Obviously, it's uh, it's very close to David's heart and, and everyone supports that. It's such a good cause. I mean, who, who wouldn't want to help children who have life-limiting illnesses, really? Yes, yes. Well, I love the fact that BE not only clearly writes great big checks and you know does fun events, but you do the simple little things too, like helping somebody move. Or uh, you mentioned earlier the uh, Christmas jumper. Uh, I don't. I guess you would call it a fundraiser. You said that people wore their Christmas jumper even at home. At, in America, yes. in America, we call them ugly Christmas sweaters. Even wearing it at home that they would do donate, you know, a small amount to, uh, was it the Save the Children? Save the Children, yes. Okay. Yeah. That's a, it's, a, it's a sort of a big thing over here every year. There's a day that's allocated to um, Christmas, wear your Christmas jumper to work day or wear your, just wear a Christmas jumper. And, you know, because you've worn your jumper, you, you make a donation to the charity. So normally people will come into the office with their Christmas jumper on, but we weren't able to do that. So we just did a virtual one this year and we got people to send in pictures of themselves in their Christmas jumpers. And then for every picture that we received, we made a donation to to save the children. So, wow. uh, we were still able to do something. Obviously, charities have just suffered so mm -hmm. terribly uh, mm -hmm. in, in this pandemic. Um, so it's nice just to be able to still do something. Yes, uh, but I, I love the simple little ways. You know, that mm -hmm. just 
to me speaks to more of their heart in the sense that, yes, it's, I mean, sometimes it's harder to spend time doing something, you know, and the small little things that it is to write a check. So CSR isn't just about charity and volunteering. It's it's also about equal opportunities and just practice, um, not to mention the environmental aspect and sustainability, which is something else that I'm hugely passionate about. Uh, we're really, at BE, we're exceptionally proud of our green credentials. Uh, I chair a green group committee, which is made up of somebody from every single department in the organization. And um, it was actually established back in 2009, way before it was cool to, to, to be green. Um, <laughs> you know, it's, it's sort of the in thing to do now, but we were thinking about it a really long time ago. Um, and the green group, we, we measure and challenge every process in our business that has an environmental impact. Um, and we try to make every single process greener, more energy efficient and environmentally friendly. Uh, we've been actually operating at 0% to landfill since 2015. Wow. Um, How do you yeah. make that possible? Well, we have we have a, an amazing company uh, that we that we use to do our recycling and, and our waste for us, and they I, I don't really know how they do it, but it is they guarantee zero to landfill. Um, one of the things which I love about it, and and this is actually quite a funny story, <laughs> um, so they also take our food waste, and for every kilo of food waste that we recycle, they donate. Um, some money to a charity called Fair Share, and Fair Share uh, give food. They they provide food to children or families who are in poverty. Hmm. So obviously during lockdown, no one was going into the office. I was going in once a week, and so our, our food waste bins weren't being filled. So I was actually storing up my food waste for a week. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone thinks I'm an absolute nutcase. And I go into the office and like one day a week, these bo Tupperware boxes, plastic boxes filled with food waste and fill up our food waste bins just so that I knew that a donation was going to be made to charity. That is how crazy I am. <laughs> I love that. I love that. We have a compost at our house. So I, I, I totally know what you're talking about. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, it's important. Every little bit counts. You know, I, I just think everything counts um we, we before the lockdown we were donating i don't know something like 85 meals a month or something wow. to, to people through through that program um and you know it's, so i was just really concerned that we weren't going to be doing that anymore so i tried to do my bit but uh, yeah the landfill thing is is important um and we switched our energy supplier to one that generates electricity only from renewable sources as well um so really we have a target to be carbon neutral i would like to be carbon neutral by 2025 um if we can if we can do it before then that would be great I, i'm just very inspired by any organization that that you know manages to do this um but also it's important for our clients because people are looking more and more about uh, being carbon neutral you know the, the road to net zero and everything and so our clients know that just by being in our offices that's ticked one of their boxes for them they don't have mm -hmm. to you know to worry about that um but also going forward it's going to be increasingly critical to businesses um, for winning new business, you know, it's going to be a factor for anybody winning new clients in the future is that the clients will be looking at, at your green credentials. 
So um, it's something that's that's really important and, and something that I'm really, really passionate about. Nice. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. It's more about, um, I know internally you all do uh, things as well with the employees. Tell us about the volunteering uh, trip that is given. Okay. So um, that's been running for many years. Obviously, we didn't get to do it last year, but um, something that was started actually before I joined the company was um, David and Simon decided that they would um, award two employees every year to go on a two-week volunteering mission somewhere in the world. Um, so the, every employee would have a, an opportunity to apply for this. Um, and we have, we have a, a very diverse range of employees. Um, we own our own cleaning company, so we have very, we have... Um, a cleaning staff of about a hundred and yeah, about a hundred cleaning staff. Um, we have our insecurity personnel as well. So everybody from the you know from senior directors to cleaning staff to security personnel, everyone can apply to go on this trip. Um, and you have to write this sort of little to to, to go on it. You you write a little um, sort of reason why you should go, and then uh, people's names get picked out the hat and two lucky winners get to, to go on this, these incredible trips. So we've sent uh, people to Cambodia to help build a sort of um, a school there. Um, we sent a couple of ladies to Nepal. They worked with street children and orphans and girls who'd been rescued from trafficking. Um, that was the first one I was involved with actually because the Cambodia, Cambodia trip happened before I join the company. Uh, we also sent two people to Thailand to an animal rescue center, animal and elephant rescue center, um, which was um, incredible. Um, and then to Belize to do a reef conservation project um, on a beautiful little island there. And most recently to Costa Rica to a turtle conservation project in the Nicoya Peninsula. Wow, what a neat, thing to every year to look forward to that uh, but I would love one day I would love to be able to perhaps go on it myself because I never feel I can apply for the trip because I organize it so yeah like, oh look I picked myself out oh, look. or maybe they just <laughs> need a third person to go along right they need a guide <laughs> uh, you had also mentioned that each employee receives three uh, paid volunteering days every year right that they get to go out and volunteer wherever they want to do it yeah they do um we we uh, this is this is a great scheme because some people haven't ever had a chance to do volunteering before and you know maybe they just they they just um, where they work every day and you know maybe they just want to relax on their weekends and it just hasn't occurred to them maybe or they just haven't had the opportunity to sort of put put before them and and so um, I like to sort of we try and send out um, an email every so often I mean we've not really been able to do it obviously for a while although we've tried to come up with virtual volunteering opportunities but um, we send out an email say look you know you can go to this food bank for the day or you can go and work on this community farm or you can go and work uh, mentoring some students or, or something and um, all the people that do it are, are like wow this this is really great you know um, it's uh, it just broadens your horizons so much and um, it, it's a multiple it's, it's a benefit both for the organizations that are receiving the, the volunteer help but also for the volunteer themselves um, they get so much out of it. 
Absolutely. That's, there's just nothing like changing your perspective and going out and seeing these facilities or these people and how their lives are different mm. and, and just to be able to help it just, you, you get the good feels for, yeah. for doing those things. So, yes. Yeah. So thank, I, I so appreciate, like I said before, that BE does gives their time as well. So thank you. Oh, that's so, cool. So do you think it's okay for businesses to share the good that they are doing in the world? I think to an extent it's good to share because it raises the profile of the cause which is being supported. Um, often we try and support causes which are not, don't necessarily have a, a, you know, a big voice. Um, so it's, it's often smaller charities. People will choose somewhere that's a bit local to them maybe. Um, and, and so it could be a charity which isn't normally getting you know anyone shouting about them so i think in that respect it's it's good um it also sets an example for other people uh, maybe they think oh you know often and we, we've been around in our in our business uh, for a very long time we we're industry veterans and um we we do tend to sometimes we do find that people will copy our ideas <laughs> so if they're going to copy that idea then that's great <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. It just inspires them to go out and do something else, right? Yeah. yeah. And the more good that people are doing differently than the more people that are being impacted. So, absolutely. yes. I, and I love your perspective of the nonprofits. People may not even know that they exist. So by okay. you sharing it, you know, it just brings more awareness. Yeah. And often we don't actually need to do, uh, the, you know, the shouting about it ourselves. It, the, the company, the reciprocating company will say, you know, they'll they'll put something on their Instagram. Say it was it was so great to have a team from BE here today, you know, and made it such a difference to our residents or, you know, whatever. Or they, they did this. And it, so, so, you know, they're, it's, they're, they're giving us the shout out sometimes um, when we do these things. Yes. It's not necessarily, you know, us going, oh, aren't we great? Yes. Um, it's, it's them. And, and, and charities are just so grateful for any time that people can give. So, mm -hmm. Absolutely. Well, you're speaking our language because we love at Made Possible by to share other people's stories of good. We're happy to share it for them because, you, like you said, you don't want to scream, look at me. Um, but, but it is important to share um, the impact that you're having in your community because it's important for your business and it's important for the community for people to know. So Absolutely. again, thank you. So Julie, give us your 30-second uh, motivational statement, your call to action, your 30-second shout out. How would you uh, want to leave people today? Okay. Well, um, I mean, I would recommend anybody who hasn't tried volunteering to just go and do it. If you're thinking about it, just go and do it. And not only will you benefit the, the cause that you're volunteering for, but there will be so many, you'll, you'll just be so surprised about the benefits that you will get back on a personal level. Um, like, like I've already said, I've met some really inspirational people and I've been privileged to go to so many places through my volunteering work. I even got my job through volunteering actually, but that's another story. Mm -hmm. um, Every, every time that I do it, it, it I grow as an individual. Um, I've made some lifelong friends. I've made myriad new acquaintances. It's just enriched my life in so many ways and it continues to do so. I, there, there isn't a single negative that I can 
you know, say about volunteering. Just, it, it, it's all good. Just get out there and do it. Just go and do it. <laughs> Don't okay. think about it. Just there you go. It. Just go. Just go. Just go. Uh, well, Julie, thank you for taking the time to uh, share with us today. I appreciate your heart for others. And I appreciate oh, it's my your, pleasure. I appreciate your mom ingraining that heart in you. And I appreciate BE and all the ways that you all serve your communities. So thank you oh, again for taking the time. Not at all. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for listening in to another episode of the Made Possible By podcast. Made Possible By helps make community giving easy. The businesses we serve love to give back to their communities with their time, product, and cash. It's rewarding, but not easy. So let us help you continue to do good in your community.